We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings Week 14 Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings. NFL Injury Report. We're going to take a look back at the play, the best plays, lineup from DraftKings, some game notes, and of course, the viewer questions. The AMA, if you want to ask me anything, email me at thepatmayoexperience at gmail.com. And I don't really care about your start sit questions in that email account. You can always tweet me at the PME. And that's where I do my question and answer period for you know pickups or trades. I guess there's no more trades but start sits, that kind of thing. General stuff on the AMA is what I'm looking forward to. Shout out to everyone out there that played in the swing season, one and done for the golf season, but the giant race for the Mayo Cup is now available at fantasygolfchampionships.com. Registration is open. It is going to fill very quickly. It's five max entry. It's $125 per spot. There's $500,000 guaranteed in the prize pool. So you make one pick per week in golf. Can't use the same player twice. Super easy concept. Super fun to do. Uh, I want to get everyone out in front of that right now. So fantasygolfchampionships.com to go reserve your spot right now. Additionally, if you want to play in the DraftKings Listeners League link or league, the link is in the description right now for week 14. Only 2,500 spots, three max entry, $15 to play. Go reserve your spot right now down in the description. Smash the like for the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. We got a ton of stuff coming for you over the holiday season. Probably have our annual Christmas Day Cuss Corner. But with the football season being 18 weeks now, we're going to have full week 17 coverage like we normally do not. Because that's usually just, you know, a week to take off, hang with the families. No, 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 not this year. We got real content. That's fantasy championship week. There's real stuff going on. So Mayo Media Network will have you covered for all of that, especially here on the Pat Mayo Experience podcast. Let's talk about running backs for the week. And the big debate last week was, now that Christian McCaffrey has been placed on injured reserve, what do we do at the running back position? Well, it came down to a discussion between Amir Abdullah and Chuba Hubbard. I still think that Amir Abdullah is the better play 
on your fantasy just because of the PPR points that he can pile up. And even half-point PPR, even in standard leagues, Hubbard is probably very close in standard leagues because I do expect Chuba Hubbard to do the majority of the work on the ground. Now, it's not going to be like, hey, for every 20 carries that Chuba Hubbard gets, Amir Abdullah gets one. It's not going to work that way. Plus, if Cam Newton continues to remain the starter for the Panthers, which it does look like at least until Sam Darnold can come back, and even if he is eligible to come back, they just fired Joe Brady. So who knows what's going on in that offense? The issue with the running back who is controlling most of the groundwork is Cam Newton's going to steal your touchdowns. Straight up. Same situation we're going to see happening if Taysom Hill continues to start for the Saints. When you have guys that call their own number near the goal line, it significantly impacts the overall fantasy ceiling of any of these running backs. So right now in the waiver wire pickup rankings, I have Amir Abdul at number one and Chuba Hubbard at number two. I think they're both like running back threes. I think I would go with the upside of Amir Abdullah because he can play that Christian McCaffrey check down game, which we saw because, listen, the Panthers aren't very good. They tend to be trailing most of the time. They have some tough games coming up where they're likely to be underdogs. Hence, if you play out those game scripts, it's going to be passing most of the time. So you can see a higher snap percentage for Amir Abdullah anyway. Plus, you get those more valuable receptions over the rushing yards. Now, I'd say that the most valuable thing that you could have are these goal line touches. And that's not to say that... Chuba Hubbard is going to be devoid of goal line touches, but his are going to be significantly lower as a percentage because of Cam Newton, who is going to call his own number. And frankly, he's just going to be more effective at the goal line as we've seen throughout the years. So that's why it's Amir Abdullah over Chuba Hubbard in this circumstance. They're one and two in the pickup power rankings right now. And after that, it's, you know... No, just a bunch of retreads, really, because everyone else, like Madison got picked up, Sony Michelle was picked up. Uh, and I mean... You play them, they're fine, Um, but once the starters come back for their teams, it's going to be a whole lot of nothing from those guys once again, but they are very valuable stashes, as we've seen on your bench. Now, Madison looks like he's going to get some extra runway here, because we don't have any sort of timetable for the return of Delvin Cook. Uh, In terms of Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson was active in that game. I mean, active is a very loose term. He was in uniform on the sidelines. He was not active whatsoever in the participation of the game, Uh, hence why Sony Michelle had 24 carries in over 100 yards when Henderson is fine from the squad injury it's going to be Daryl Henderson's backfield we saw the circumstance play itself out earlier in the year it looked like oh Sony Michelle is going to carve himself at a roll now the Rams just really want to use one guy and when Henderson is healthy Henderson is the guy but Sony Michelle remains one of the higher end handcuffs you can have so you're not going to drop Sony Michelle because you saw the sort of impact he can make on your fantasy roster with only four weeks left to go in regular season long leagues I mean, that's very valuable. Even if you can get one more game out of him, you're going to want to use him in those circumstances. So Abdullah Hubbard, Boston Scott is number three. He was another one like Daryl Henderson, active for the Eagles-Jets game. Didn't play in the Eagles and Jets game. That was with no Jordan Howard either. However, towards the end of the game, Miles Sanders dinged up his ankle. So now they go on to bye week. So you're, it's tough with Boston Scott because if Sanders was out, I would really like Boston Scott, although somehow Kenneth Gainwell would somehow get a ton of run here. But Jordan Howard might be back coming out of this bye week. We might see Miles Sanders be fine coming out of this bye week. So realistically, if you didn't have Boston Scott before, you're not racing out to go get him right now because obviously they're on bye. And by the time they come back and play, they might have five running backs healthy in the backfield. Knowing the Eagles, 
they'll use them all. And if Jalen Hurts is healthy by that point, too, he's going to eat in to the overall rushing totals as well. So it's not that strong of a pickup. You know, maybe if you have the bench room, you do it now. And then coming out of the bye, week, it's like, oh, yeah, everyone is still out. Then fine. Boston Scott is going to be fine. He missed it because of an illness, not a hamstring injury or an ankle injury. He will be fine in two weeks. We don't know with the others, but based on timetables, based on their injuries, they probably will be fine in those circumstances. They don't get to play the Jets every week either, so don't forget that. Tevin Coleman at number four. Eh, If you're running out Tevin Coleman, are you really alive in the playoff hunt? Who knows? Dontrell Hilliard at number five. If I knew that Jeremy McNichols was still going to miss time with his concussion coming out of this bye week, he would be much higher on this list. I mean, much higher. He'd probably be like number two, maybe even number one. He looked great against the Patriots. He played more than Dante Foreman. He's their pass catching back, and A.J. Brown is still going to be out of the lineup. So in games where they are trailing, uh, you're going to see, I mean, they're probably not going to happen with Jacksonville this week, although Jacksonville could play some teams tough, and the Titans have not really looked like world beaters since all of their guys ended up getting hurt. Hilliard's a fine pickup. You probably already have him in competitive leagues, but maybe he was dropped on the bye week. But if McNichols is active, then it becomes more of a dicey situation. I'll talk that through more with Seeley on Tuesday's show of what we think about the injury report and how that affects both Hilliard and Donta Foreman. So Abdullah, Hubbard, Scott, Coleman, Hilliard. Then we get into the high-end handcuffs. Samaj P. Ryan almost got a full... Listen, Chris Evans missed the game. It looked like Mixon was going down with a collarbone injury. Thankfully, he was fine. But P. Ryan would be first up, and it would be a full-time role for him in the Bengals' backfield. Khalil Herbert in the Bears' backfield. Although, David Montgomery... Shaping up to be this year's David Montgomery once again. Very easy schedule for the Bears coming down the stretch. And the way that we saw him utilized yesterday against the Cardinals was exactly what you want to see from David Montgomery. Uh, They threw the ball a ton. They kept throwing it to David Montgomery. Almost every single time that they ran, they ran it with David Montgomery. Goal line, David Montgomery. For whatever reason, he got pegged with this stigma of being awful and like lead footed out of the backfield and maybe just the bears weren't good at running the ball and then because he had this easy schedule down the stretch a year ago you know it's just it's him beating up on easy teams well if we just kind of take a look at it he has three divisional games left which means vikings lions and packers pretty good matchups to tell you the truth i mean it's games where they're going to be running the ball. And then in the auxiliary matchup, he has the Giants and the Seahawks left for the rest of the season. Like, those are really good matchups. So he's probably like a fringe RB1 the rest of the way if you're, like, projecting forward with David Montgomery. But that's also a reason to own Khalil Herbert as well because we saw if Montgomery goes down and Herbert's going to play, like, 95% of the snaps and that just kind of copy and paste himself onto that role. Although the receptions are way up because Andy Dalton is playing quarterback. Once Justin Fields is fine, no idea when that's going to be. It could be this week. could be not for the rest of the season. Um, That probably hurts his overall receiving volume, but it does open up more running lanes when you have a rushing quarterback and pulling extra defenders out of the box. So I think it's a bit of a wash in that circumstances if we're just kind of projecting forward in that circumstance. Jamichael Hasty returned for the 49ers, leaped uh, Jeff Wilson on the depth chart. You can find the full running back snap shares down in the description as well. They're in the Mayo Media newsletter, uh, along with the updated injury report, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, Hasty is just, I believe he is the handcuff to Elijah Mitchell, who's getting all the run in the Niners backfield. But it does strike me as that when we've seen them all healthy all year long, it's Mitchell, Hasty. Then Wilson, Trey Sermon's been placed on IR, so we don't have to worry about him for the time being. Devontae Booker backing up uh, the awful Saquon Barkley. I mean, poor guy. That Giants offense is just so out of sorts that they're hard to start at this point. Donta Foreman, we'll see what Matt Breda does on Monday Night Football, but it seems like he's now more trending towards being 
lead back in Buffalo is really a strong statement because no one really since in the Josh Allen era has been a quote-unquote lead back. Best you're seeing is like 55% of the snaps, but that doesn't account for Josh Allen running the ball. And a lot like Cam Newton and all of these other rushing quarterbacks calling his own number near the goal line. Although he's been running less and doing that less so far this season. But now that we're getting to winning time with the Bills need needing to both secure a playoff spot, a division title, and potentially the one seed in the AFC, I think you're going to see Josh Allen rush a little bit more, especially if teams continue to play these two deep safeties and leave these running lanes available for him. I get why he's not running. It's all about preserving yourself for when the games matter the most. But, you know, another loss in that cloudy AFC, all of a sudden the Bills could be on the outside looking in. So they need to continue to win, and their best asset is Josh Allen. The moment that he starts running 12 times a game again and going off like seven yards per carry and breaking these big ones, those defenders and safeties have to come back up on the box, and then it opens up the deep pass once again. So we'll see how the Bills actually do this. But it does appear to me like Matt Breda is the best pass catcher out of the Bills' backfield because Zach Moss is in the doghouse. Singletary, we've seen enough of Singletary. He's very bleh. He's going to get his 10 touches per game. What he does with them, complete mystery week to week. But it does appear like Matt Breda is now a part of this passing game where he's going to see his like three to six targets per game primarily on like wheel routes the bills do very few like dump offs to their running backs but he's running real routes out of the backfield so matt breda coming in then you have jared patterson and jd mckissick mckissick could be back next week off the concussion just keep a monitor on him We'll see. It's just like Jalen Rocket Richard is on the COVID list for the Raiders. Kenyon Drake is out for the season with a broken ankle, so maybe he can continue to see some passing game work a la J.D. McKissick. I much prefer McKissick, and I'd have him higher on this list if we knew that he was for sure going to be playing, but I have no idea. Concussions are like snowflakes. Each one of them is completely different. So hopefully he's okay to come back. Uh, if that's the case, I'd vault him up probably to like number three on this list because he's actually somewhat usable in half point and full point PPR in deeper leagues if you need the help. Like if if McNichols was back, I would take McKissick if he was playing over Hilliard and McNichols. That would be the circumstance that we'd get ourselves into. In full injury report at the running back position, new injuries sustained. Uh, Elijah Mitchell hurt his head. He exited the game. Uh, it looks like he is going to be fine. If not, Hasty would be the primo pickup in that circumstance. We also have Ronald Jones left for the Bucks with an illness. He's going to be fine moving forward. Brendan Bolden is likely to play on Monday Night Football. Miles Sanders exited the game with an ankle injury that he carried an ankle injury designation coming into the week. So that's not good news. No word yet if it's low ankle, high ankle, twisted ankle, whatever it is, because they're going on bye week. We'll have more information on that coming out of the bye. But like I said, Boston Scott would be the pickup of Jordan Howard, could be back in that circumstance as well. And that rushing game is a little bit better, at least in my mind, when Jalen Hurts is playing quarterback a lot like, you know, a lot like Justin Fields when you're pulling guys out of the box just creating bigger running lanes and the RPO can really help running backs in that regard. Kenyon Drake is out for the season. Jalen Richard. You probably don't want him. Hopefully, if you're a Josh Jacobs owner, he continues to see this receiving volume that he's been picking up over the past four weeks. It's kind of incredible to see Josh Jacobs used in this role after years of us just beg, like, throw him the ball five times a game. Now he's seen way more than that. It's a lot like Antonio Gibson in Washington now. If this is the role that these guys have cemented for themselves, they are high-end fantasy assets for the rest of the season and moving forward as long as they're used in that role. 
DeAndre Swift missed week 13 with a shoulder injury that was sustained on Thanksgiving. We'll see whether or not he's good to go in week 14. No word on that yet. Jordan Howard missed week 13. He's on by McKissick, obviously with the, with a concussion missed week 13. Uh, no word on him yet. Philip Lindsay missed for the dolphins. They go on by week. David Johnson had an illness and a thigh injury. He did not play sex. Rex Burkhead got the, the majority of the touches, but who cares? The Texans are God awful at this point. They're not even starting tire out anymore. Davis Mills is starting for the Texans going into the week. Michael Carter could return this week, although he is doubtful for week 14 for the New York Jets. We'll keep an eye on his status, but he may have been dropped in early. He should be good to go by week 15 for the fantasy playoffs. The issue with Michael Carter now becomes, since Zach Wilson has reassumed his position, Zoomer Zach, for the New York Jumbo Jets, he doesn't really throw to running backs anymore. That was such a key part of Michael Carter and Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman's value when it was Joe Flacco, when it was Mike White, when it was Josh Johnson. They were targeting the running backs like 30% of the time. So you just build up the floor and get these guys into space everything was working really really well Zach Wilson just wants to chuck the ball as hard as he can everywhere on the field it's just not leading to a very high completion percentage and especially to those running backs it's not like the Jets are very effective at running the ball anyway especially when you're losing by 10 points for most of every single game you're just not going to be able to establish yourself so it's going to be hard to trust him whenever he returns because we don't know how this offense is going to operate with both Michael Carter and Zach Wilson I would guess if healthy Michael Carter is the one who sees the majority of touches in the Jets' backfield, probably like 60, 65% of the snaps. Unfortunately, what does that really lead to? Are we into a Rex Burkhead situation where, yeah, he's out there a ton. Who cares? Because he touches the ball for three yards per clip and is not put in the proper situations in order to have an impact on fantasy. And then if they get near the goal line, are they going to turn to Tevin Coleman? Are they going to turn to Ty Johnson? Who knows? Uh, who was the jabroni from last or two weeks ago? I completely forget what his name was now. He, he touched the ball once against the Eagles. Like we, I just don't know what the Jets are up to. The offense is not good enough to sustain four running backs. And even if you have the lead option, coming back in a mystery, not the greatest situation in the world. Worth a pickup, because if you can make it through week 15, or if he comes back in week 14, you can then try to see what the Jets are doing with him and how they're utilizing him on the offensive side of the ball to deem whether or not he's going to be worthy to crack your playoff roster. But you can't have too many assets at this point. Like, if you have Cortland Sutton, cut Cortland Sutton. He's, like, useless at this point. Ever since Jerry Judy came back, like, he sucks. So just, I'd rather have Michael Carter on my bench to see what's going on with him. Jeremy McNichols coming off the bye with his concussion. He's questionable for Week 14. Alvin Kamara, who knows what's going on with him. And, again, he's into a situation now where Ingram's playing a little bit more. Taysom Hill is rushing for over 100 yards and rushing the ball over 10 times per game, probably calling his own number at the goal line. And even when we saw the checkdowns, although the finger is banged up, apparently Taysom Hill is going to play through it. He's not really one to dump off to his running backs, which is so much a part of Elvin Kamara's fantasy value that he'd be very hard to trust going into the fantasy playoffs unless we saw for certain how his role is going to be with Taysom Hill or even if Simeon came back and played quarterback I'd feel better about at least the floor of Elvin Kamara I think that his upside is probably higher with Taysom Hill but then you have to dodge Taysom Hill rushing touchdowns near the goal line so maybe yeah maybe Simeon is just the way that you want to roll with him Chase Edmonds is still on injured reserve James Conner playing a ton of snaps when you go and look at the snap chart for the week 
Again, available in the description, which is, uh, I mean, the link is down in the description. It's available in the newsletter. James Conner played the third highest percentage of snaps of any running back in football. He just continues to score touchdowns at a very high clip. He was held under four yards per carry for the third straight game, but he did score for the sixth straight game and caught multiple passes in his fourth straight game, which is tremendous news as long, for, just in terms of stability. James Conner's not going to be a top five fantasy running back. Maybe if he scores three touchdowns, he has that week where he vaults himself up into that upper echelon. But if we're looking like as a median outcome basis, he's going to be like running back number seven to 15 every single week, which makes him an insta start no matter what you're doing. And he continues to have his DraftKings pricing way down, which is fantastic news for everyone moving forward. Wide receivers, there's not a ton going on on the waiver wire right now. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is still widely available. We'll see what he does Monday night. He's number one. KJ Osborne, I do think, is the best pickup of the bunch. And we'll get to Ty Conklin in a minute. But when we're talking about this Minnesota offense, doesn't matter who they play, good team, bad team, they're going to score points and make it close. They play Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. K.J. Osborne has scored in three of his last four games in which he has seen five or more targets. Adam Thielen is banged up. It looks like he's going to be out for multiple weeks right now, and there's potentially high-scoring games for him coming up. you got the Rams in Week 16, the Packers in Week 17. That in deeper leagues as a wide receiver three or flex play, it feels like you can do a whole lot worse than KJ Osborne at this point. Like the Vikings offense is so concentrated. Now we're taking away key pieces. We've taken away Delvin Cook. We don't know when he's coming back. We've taken away Adam Thielen. We don't know if he's coming back this year. So it's Justin Jefferson, Alexander Madison, and then you have sort of in that third role you have KJ Osborne and Tyler Conklin and they pass the ball enough that I think that they're both viable options. Like they probably see like six plus targets each per game, unless they're winning by like 3000 points, which you know the Vikings never do. They've, I mean, they were seven point favorites against the lions this week. They lost outright, but they had only covered that number once all season. So they're just instinctively playing close games to begin with, thus fostering a decent amount of rushing attempts, but a lot of passing attempts as well. And of course, it wasn't Kirk Cousins' fault that you know, the defense gave up the play that lost the game, gave up a 75-yard drive to the Lions. But the week that you know Tim really goes all in on Kirk Cousins saying he's way better than Aaron Rodgers, of course the Vikings lose to the Lions because that's how the Andrickers works. But KJ Osborne, I have him number two in my pickup rankings at wide receiver. After that, Devontae Parker returned for the Dolphins. Looked pretty good. Doesn't seem like we're going to be seeing Will Fuller anytime. Apparently his finger is like shattered or something like that. Not great for a receiver. And God, Lord knows it wasn't from Tua's like fastball coming at him. It's not like he's catching Justin Herbert passes or Zach Wilson passes. Tua, it's got some precision. He's got some float on the ball to make it easy for his guys to catch. Although I do think that the return of Devontae Parker just overall from a real life football perspective for the Dolphins is going to turn out really well. Only because Waddle's utilized over the middle, as is Gesicki for the most part. They have these giant guys. I mean, Matt Collins is a receiver. He's really a tight end. Then they have, like, three, like... They're, they're not brand name. They're like the generic version of white guy tight ends. And like, they're all interchangeable. Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen has missed some time. They have some other jabroni out there too. Just like whenever one of them catches the ball, it's like, oh good, Mike Gesicki touched. Oh no, that's not Mike Gesicki. That's random other white, giant white guy on the Dolphins. With Devontae Parker, he does give them the element. We saw it a lot against the Giants. 
Third down conversion rate down the sidelines, big body making contested athletic catches. For as long as he can stay healthy, he is such a boon to this Dolphins offense. If they only had a better version of Miles Gaskin, their offense would be clicking really well right now. And you know, against the Giants, they didn't have to do that much. And the Giants defense hasn't been abysmal by any means. Uh, and Tua now has that threat on the outside, which should open up Waddle even more that they have someone that can go make these contested sideline catches to really extend drives, extend the offense, and give some more confidence to Tua throwing outside of the hash marks, which is not something he does a ton. It's a lot of slants. It's a lot of seam routes. It's a lot of posts. No, very few corners, very few out routes deeper down the field. So I think that Parker can bring that element and take some of the heat off those two guys in the middle. I think it's great news for the Dolphins in real life, especially with their easy schedule. So he's number three in the pickups. Josh Reynolds is number four, continues to do some good work for the Lions, and Lord knows they're going to be trying to throw as much. I mean, they want to run as much as possible, but game script usually dictates throwing more for the Detroit Lions. We didn't see that this week, and we'll see what happens to them in the future. Uh, I think they played the Broncos this week. Is it the Broncos? Let's see. Who is playing the Lions? this week you know the Jags are yeah it's the Broncos playing Detroit playing in Denver Denver's they actually look pretty good against Kansas City it was more of a bend but don't break type of deal uh if they are shutting down or at least limiting the Chiefs offense Lord knows what's going to happen with the Lions but as long as Jared Goff has time to throw he's just going to dink and dunk his way down the field so for half point and full point PPR these Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds are looking pretty good on the Detroit Lions at the moment and just the other pickups are like Marquez Valdez Scantling who has done really well with Alan Lazard both missing time and dropping every pass that comes his way. Randall Cobb is still banged up with his groin injury. We'll see whether or not he plays coming out of the bye week, but MBS has become the secondary option to Devontae Adams in this Packers offense, and he is the deep threat. He's more boom or bust, but the booms are pretty good that especially if you're an underdog in a contest, he's the type of guy to roll out to get one of those huge games. He's in the Deshaun Jackson, Odell Beckham type of ether right now of, yeah, there's significant downside, but the upside all comes on one big play. So MBS at number five, Russell Gage, He's been good and bad. I mean, he was shut out on Thanksgiving against Dallas, which kind of really skews his stats overall. But when you look at essentially since Calvin Ridley has went out, Russell Gage was shut out week 10 in the three games. Uh, was it, was that week 10? Week 10 was really that. In the three games since, he has 22 catches on 27 targets. So he is the wide receiver one in this offense because all teams are doing is taking away Kyle Pitts and be like, hey, Russell Gage, if you beat us, congratulations. That does not mean Atlanta is winning a game. So they're going to just give that up all day long. Russell Gage comes in at number six. Then you have Sterling Shepard. Lord knows when he's ever going to come back. Lord knows when Tony's ever going to come back. Do you even want these guys with Jacob Fromm now starting? Probably not. A.J. Green, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Traquan Smith. Rashad Perriman at number 11, as he seems to be the one now filling in full-time for Antonio Brown, who is going to be out until at least December 26 with this fake vax uh, issue uh, that he submitted. So he suspended three games. He was dealing with the ankle injury anyway. Uh, yeah, the earliest he can come back is December 26. He might not even come back to the league. I don't know. The Buccaneers, listen, they probably don't care. They just want him to come back, but there could be like actual lawsuits that come into this. People have been talking about what's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown is 
Antonio Brown submitted, like, faulty paperwork to the league and pretended that he had a vaccination when he didn't. All he had to do was say he, that he didn't have the vax, and then he just would have had to comply with those rules, and there wouldn't be this big of a problem. There'd be no suspension. Um, and that was the difference between Rodgers. Rodgers just lied to a reporter, or didn't even lied, misled a reporter into thinking one certain thing. But the NFL knew what was going on the entire time. His teammates knew what was going on the entire time. And when you have Antonio Brown, like, trying to sell off fake faxes, here's the key thing about Antonio Brown, which is really, I mean, doesn't seem to be a very good guy, seems to be kind of a moron, but his biggest downfall is, I think his chef ratted him out because he didn't pay his chef, I think whatever it was before, he forgot he didn't pay his personal trainer, and then ended up, like, in murky waters in terms of law, so just pay your fucking employees, and you're gonna be fine, Antonio Brown. Uh, then people aren't just looking to rat you out the entire time. you think that this would be very easy stuff to come through. Pay your employees, then, you know, there's I mean, when you pay someone, you're not necessarily buying their loyalty, but they're not going to go out of their way to screw you at the same time either. You know, when all bets are off and someone owes you a bunch of money, it's just YOLO against you. All the dark secrets are coming out. Not that I'm condoning what Antonio Brown did, but he could have went about this in a certain way to not get caught. Seems pretty stupid to me, to tell you the truth. Uh, Mayo Media Network, where we pay our employees so people don't reveal the dirt on old Pat Mayo. Adam Thielen is injured. He's out two to four weeks with a high ankle sprain. We might not, if the Vikings get themselves out of the playoff hunt, we might not see him again this season. Kenny DeGalladay just joined the list of other injured Giants receivers. Uh, he has a ribs injury. He exited the game. We know that Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney both didn't play. Daniel Jones is dealing with a neck injury. Mike London is now benched for Jacob Fromm, who Cust did say after being drafted by the Buffalo Bills a year ago that he would be the starter in week one over Josh Allen because Josh Allen was trapped. And then Josh Allen was second in MVP voting. So, you know, Jake or Josh Allen really benefiting from the Andercurs. Uh, Jacob from Jake from not so much, but he's gonna be starting for the Giants. It looks like this week, which is kind of hilarious. Probably don't want to play any of these guys. Corey Davis exited the game with an ankle injury. He had come into the game with a groin injury. Corey Davis just not holding up whatsoever. The Jets, big free agent signing, not working out. Big shocker. Allen Robinson still has his hamstring injury. I am stunned he is not on injured reserve. As of yet, we saw Jakeem Grant uh, be the one opposite Darnell Mooney do the most damage. Demir Bird did get us to that over on his receiving prop right at the end of the game, but he did what I thought he was going to do. He got his six targets. He didn't catch a high percentage of the balls, but he did go over 30 yards. I still like Bird more than I like Grant. Um, not that these like are super playable guys, but if you're looking for like low receiving props when it comes down to game time, uh, that's where I was fucking Jimmy Graham, man. Jimmy Graham was one of my bigger bets of the week over 11 and a half yards. Obviously he went under big loss on my part. He has two catches in the game. Only one credited one. He caught a touchdown. He caught a two point conversion. So you like played Jimmy Graham in fantasy. What do you have? 9.1 points in one catch for one yard officially yet almost scored 10 points in fantasy. I figured they would use him a little bit more on third down because of the way that they use him at the goal line. So 11 and a half yards. He had more than double that in each of the previous three games. Nope. Let's start a cool command. He's going to bobble the ball up into the air for a pick. I'll tell you what's really infuriating. Having 100% Cardinals defense on DraftKings, picking them up everywhere. They were my number one ranked defense for the week. They could have scored three defensive touchdowns 
in this game. Andy Dalton actually made a really nice play to save one of them, but they had three returns that looked like they were going to the house and set them all up in like inside the 15, inside the 10 yard line. If you're wondering why the Cardinals offensive stats look so janky, if you didn't watch that game, it's because the defense kept setting them up so close to the goal line is that Kyler never needed to pass more than twice on any sort of drive to score a touchdown. I mean, they, they end up with four picks. They had a good day, but the day could have been amazing. You score one of them, you know, they're the leading defense over the chargers for the week. They score two of them. They absolutely break the slate. Them's the breaks when you're dealing with fantasy defenses. Obviously there's so much randomness and luck, but they were in the position that we wanted to have pressure on the quarterback, forcing turnovers, trying to get scores. There's not, I mean, you could ask for more obviously, because they could have done more and, you know, Andy Dalton slips or you, or he pulls a Teddy Bridgewater. And is just like, you know what? I'm not getting myself hurt. I'm just going to stand here and let you run to the end zone, sir. Would have been a huge day for the Cardinals. So picking on the bears, at least with Dalton right now in these jankier conditions, whether it be cold, whether it be rain or both, like we saw on Sunday is a very good situation to be in. Julio Jones has been activated to return from injured reserve, whether or not he plays in week 14. It's still a mystery. AJ Brown is still on injured reserve, but Julio could go this week against the Jags. If they think they can beat the Jags, they might hold them another week because I don't know that Julio's hamstring is being held together with scotch tape or something like that. I don't know. So that's just the case. Marquise Goodwin uh, missed the game with a foot injury for the Bears. That's why we saw Jakeem Grant and Demir Bird out there more so. Debo could be back this week for the 49ers, but I'm guessing... Ooh, excuse me, big burps from old Pat Mayo. Uh, I'm guessing that we're going to see him miss another week right now. Cedric Wilson missed the Cowboys game. We saw a bit of Noah Brown at the beginning, and then that was the end of him. Uh, Kelvin Ridley, I don't think he's coming back this season, especially in a lost season for the Falcons to begin with. What is the point of bringing him back right now? Uh, you know, get him right, get your mental health back together properly. Uh, get the, you know, it's no different than treating a broken arm. You need to let yourself have time heal. If that means the entire offseason so he can come back ready, get himself into a good place for week one next year, I'm sure that's what both the Falcons organization wants that's what calvin ridley wants that's what falcon fans want anyone who plays fantasy wants to see calvin ridley back that's what they want to see too a fully healthy good to go calvin ridley going into next season how did you choose which internet service provider to use the sad thing is most of us have very little choice because isps operate like monopolies in the regions that they serve they use this monopoly power to take advantage of customers. Data caps, streaming throttles, and the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data to other big tech companies or advertisers. To prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I protect all of my devices with ExpressVPN. So what is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your ISP cannot see any of your activity. Just think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, the list of people you've messaged, sites you've visited, and the videos you've watched get tracked by tech giants who sell your information for profit. That's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by Business Insider and The Verge. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and offer tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash mayo. That's E-X-P-R-V-P-N. 
expressvpn.com slash mayo to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash mayo right now to learn more. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I didn't have a ton of time in the morning and I wanted to get the proper nutrition to help me optimize my immune system, which, frankly, over the past three weeks uh, where I've been sick, it has really got me through the day to make sure that I get those essential nutrients to get better quickly. And it's really worked because I don't want to take pills every single day. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes really good. And I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So I've been taking it now for about five weeks and I absolutely love it. And it doesn't taste like it's super healthy, which is kind of nice because we all know that like super healthy stuff usually tastes like absolute trash. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics to help you start your day right. Instead of instinctively starting my day off with an espresso or a coffee every single day, I just use Athletic Greens right now, and it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements by yourself, which is great because I don't have the know-how or time to go get all the stuff for myself, and it does support my mental clarity. It gives me alertness. It supports my better quality sleep, which has really been the key factor in me getting better, is just making sure that when I go to sleep, I stay asleep, and actually have a good sleep, and Athletic Greens is really helping that out for me right now. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Tight ends for the week. Uh, Injury-wise, we're looking at Logan Thomas. Finally got himself back. Caught a touchdown. Now he's out for the season. Ricky Seals-Jones also missed week 13. He could be back for week 14, which would be a nice situation for him. We'll see with this hip pointer that he has. He's probably out again. Ryan Griffin exited the game for the Jets after you know, I actually bet him over 15 over 15 and a half receiving yards. He got to 15, then got hurt. Just do, that's how poorly my Sunday went in terms of betting. Uh, it just, it wasn't great. Just little break here, a little break there. You know, you have to eat the losses a lot of the time. And you know, this was a week where I ate some losses. You, you have to keep it in perspective. If you have the good weeks, you're going to have the bad weeks that go along with it. This was a bad betting week from me. If I had just focused on the early slate of games, I did really well ATS in the early games. It was the late slate of games that absolutely wiped me out. Only got the Rams right I think of those and you know two of my best bets of the week were from those late games stupid 49ers stupid Ravens they both should have won the games and just uh, it was infuriating to watch the entire time Eric Ebron missed week 13 as well Darren Waller also missed the week the island of Foster Moreau did not work out very well for anyone who streamed him he had the one catch but don't think that you want to play him going forward, uh, especially with the Raiders needing to throw against the Chiefs. The Chiefs give up the eighth most fantasy points to tight ends, and that 
you have to figure that's probably a game where they're going to be doing a ton of throwing. So if long as Waller is out, Foster Moreau is running a ton of routes. He's out there. Just there was no connection with him against the Washington football team this week. Overall pickups, four tight ends, Tower Conklin, now number one, Foster Moreau, number two, Cole Komet, CJ Uzma, Hunter Henry. We'll see what kind of work and route and snap share and target share he gets with Johnny Smith back uh, and against a pretty good Bills defense. We'll see how they hold up. And then I have John Bates at number six. Bates, the fill-in for Ricky Seals-Jones and Logan Thomas. You know, he was like three for 47 in relief of Logan Thomas in that game. We know that Heineke likes throwing to his tight ends. He's like 0% owned if you desperately need a streamer. He's not like a top 10 play or anything like that. But John Bates can you know, patch together potentially 10 points for you at tight end if that's something that you need. Other than that, Evan Ingram I have at number eight. He's no good, but he might literally be the only guy healthy besides Pharaoh Cooper on or John Ross and 2L Colin Johnson on the New York Giants. And we'll see if Jake Fromm can hit him up. Quarterbacks for the streaming purposes. Bad week for streamers. Hopefully you have your quarterback in place. Taysom Hill against the Jets. If he is healthy, it's a great spot. Jimmy G at the Bengals. Cam Newton at home against the Falcons. And then Teddy Bridgewater at home against the Lions. Yeah. If Newton plays, it's a nice rebound spot for him, but we don't even know if he's playing. If Darnold's going to be back, what's going on with them at the quarterback position right now? Uh, Injury-wise, Davis Mills is going to start for the Texans. Tyrod's dealing with a wrist injury. Taysom Hill is questionable. Jalen Hurts is going on bye week after missing week 13. We'll see how his ankle holds up over the bye week and get a situation. Um, it does appear like Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter as long as he is healthy for the Eagles. I mean, Gardner Minshew Walk played great against the Jets. I don't know if that tells us anything, but I think this a healthy Jalen Hurts makes this offense more dynamic. And there's a reason that they're in the playoff hunt right now. It's because Jalen Hurts and the defense have been really good. And the rushing game is so much more effective against anyone. Like to do it against the worst rush defense in the league, the Jets, that's one thing with Gardner Minshew. We have seen the Eagles take on some high-end run defenses and do really, really well when Hurts is playing quarterback. I do not think that would translate as well when you have Gardner Minshew under center. Uh, let's see. Daniel Jones, doubtful. Jake Fromm going to start. Justin Fields, no idea whether or not he is going to play for the Bears moving forward, but he could play in week 14. That's on the table, at least. Defensive streams for week 14. I got... Who do I got? There's a lot of streamers this week. Uh, the Broncos were dropped on mass because they played the Chiefs. They're at home against the Lions. Probably a defense you want to play. Packers at home against the Bears this week. Continue to stream in the elements against Andy Dalton. Even if it's Justin Fields, I still like the Packers defense in the situation. Vikings on Thursday night, short rest for against the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers are going to try to dink and dunk their way down the field. If you can just press them, get up by 10 points against them and make them throw down the field, it leaves Ben susceptible to horrible mistakes. So the Vikings can take advantage of this, although their pressure rate was way down without Evers and Griffin. Uh, and you know that's something to monitor going forward because he was such a big part of that. They can still potentially get to Big Ben with the Steelers' offensive line not playing up to snuff and pass protection whatsoever. Titans at home against Jacksonville. Browns at home against Baltimore with Pick City. Lamar Jackson coming there. Four picks last time out against the Browns. Well, they still won the game. doesn't really matter from a DST perspective. Chiefs at home against the Raiders. Saints at the Jets. Panthers at home against the Falcons. And Jags at Tennessee. You could potentially go Falcons at the Panthers, too, if Cam Newton is starting. Not a great play because where the 
where the Falcons don't score a ton of points, that leads the Panthers to, even in a close game, trying to run as much as possible. And the more that they're running, the fewer fantasy points that are going to be produced. Uh, once again, you can find all of this in the newsletter, the cheat sheet for the pickup power rankings, which get updated, are going to be on DKNation.com along with the snap shares and everything like that in the newsletter. But I have listed the look-ahead defenses for the playoffs. Uh, no change from last week. The Niners, number one. Dolphins, number two. Jags, Titans, Seahawks, and Saints are your top six streamable defenses for the fantasy playoffs uh, based on their matchup. The two with the best matchups are the Niners and Dolphins. All three weeks, very good matchups for the fantasy playoffs. It's time to start planning out the fantasy playoffs in your league if you're going to make it. Even if you're not going to make it, you still want to play and put yourself into a position as if you are going to make it to get yourself ahead of the game, save the fab dollars, and box out the rest of your league. Just like using those running back handcuffs on your bench, box out your opponents so they can't use these guys against you, and you save all your fab money now. So if something big big and dramatic does happen, you can outbid everyone else when it comes down to it. As promised, I was actually going to review the play the best plays lineup from the DraftKings show I did with Raza last week, and it was a good lineup. It's funny to look at the amount of points and like the scores on the team and just kind of see where we were on because it didn't cash uh, in the Millionaire Maker. That's the one that I, I throw it into the three, I throw it into the 20 uh, just to have some fun to see where it does on the cash line, but like 155 points normally is a cashable total. It was not this time around. So um, I'm playing the listeners league link play in the list. Why do I always say listeners league link play in the listeners league this week on DraftKings. The link is down in the description, but just to review for everyone. Uh, it was Justin Herbert who ended up uh, as the quarterback on that team. I guess we didn't stack anyone with him because, you know, it's the shitter guys know what he's doing. He's playing the best plays. But Herbert you know, scored 29.28 points. Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon was the big miss here at quarterback only because when you look through everything and look at the scores for the week, that there was just better running back plays. Like Jonathan Taylor was highly owned. He ends up, you know, absolutely going off in that circumstance. Uh, he scores 28 points. David Montgomery, who was a favorite of mine in these lineups, scored 28 eight points. Sony Michelle opened up later in the week after we did the show. He scored 25 points. Josh Jacobs. So all these cheaper running backs ended up doing really well, as opposed to Joe Mixon, who, as I pointed out to Roz when we did the show, was incredibly undercursed. So him only scoring 10.4 points just left you at such a massive disadvantage when you could have paid up a little bit more to get Jonathan Taylor, paid down a little bit more to get uh, Leonard Fournette or... Hell, even Austin Eckler, if you paid up a little bit more, you were still getting nine extra points. So the, the move was pay for Jonathan Taylor, then hit that mid-tier of the obvious guy uh, of Antonio Gibson. That really would have worked out well. That's He was the other running back in this lineup. So it was Mixon and Gibson with 22 points. We also used Elijah Mitchell, who scored 17. Those were all fine numbers, but it, the proper construction that you wanted to use was probably Taylor at the high end. Sony Michelle at the low end, even when the news that Daryl Henderson ended up being active, but he didn't really play because that would have scored you, you know, those are two of the top you know, three running backs of the week. And then David Montgomery in that middle tier with 28 points. But if you didn't do that, it would have been Antonio Gibson. It would have been Josh Jacobs. It would have been Elijah Mitchell. You really could have got away with it. Just Mixon with Mixon and Najee Harris were kind of the busts uh, of that area. Hell, you could have got away with James Conner 
at 19 points as well in that mid-tier. So, you know, whether it was Gibson, whether it was Montgomery, it just couldn't be Mixon at the very high end was really where that got let down. At receiver, uh, you kind of had to pick your poison and end up being right with everything. The three receivers that we went with, sort of the value guys, ended up playing fine, just not great. Like Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, and T. Higgins, and Cooper Cup where you had to have at least two of those three to really play side. One of the three was a necessary really to get into the cash. We had Renfro, Josh Reynolds, and Jalen Waddle. So 18 points, 22.2, and Reynolds only 10.9. Once again, all of these lower-end receivers who get like a little bit of buzz occasionally they'll work out but they're better off chalk left to everyone else you can pick your poison like a cheap running back is not the same as a cheap receiver like you could have used Amon Ross St. Brown for around the same price he scored 24 points he scored more than double uh what he was more expensive obviously than Josh Reynolds that was kind of the point of using him but you could have got away with it. It was even like Foster Moreau at 2900 bucks. Like, yeah, very odd. 2700 2600 29 where the hell he was. You could have got away from him so easily because he was going to be the highest owned tight end on a slate where there was really good tight ends. Uh, we used Gronk in this lineup. He scored 21.8. You could have got up to Kittle for a little bit more. Now, it would have been more difficult with the way that we constructed our running back roster because we used Mitchell Gibson and then paid up for Mixon. You could have paid up for Taylor, but you would have needed the salary relief of Sony Michelle, which opened up after we did the show in order to mix that all in. In defense, we used the Washington football team uh, for this lineup. I tried to go full Cardinals, which really hurt a lot of your leverage because they were $3,400. I just had a lot of faith in them. But I guess the pay down ones that you wanted to use, let's see, the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers were the best. The Cardinals were second. The Bucks, who were like the super cheap defense. I guess the Steelers against the Ravens, they were still 2900 bucks. There was no like super cheap defense that did really well. It was like the Falcons with seven points, the Seahawks with nine. Basically, the Chargers and Colts scored 20 and 18 points. Uh, and then on the main slate, the Cardinals were third at 11 along with the Bucks, and they were all over $3,000. Like the Chargers were the play at 3000 I guess you don't know that going in. You kind of had to spin the dice and get lucky. But all the pay down defenses this week were very bad. And that, I mean, even these higher end ones were really low owned. So 3.7 points, whatever it is, it was very marginal. I guess the, the point would have been just save as much money as possible at defense and hope you didn't take the Texans and score in the minuses. And then they would allow you enough salary relief to go through everything. So the, the actually the play of the best plays lineup wasn't all that far off, to tell you the truth. So instead of Herbert, it should have been Brady. Instead of Waddle, it should have been Godwin. Renfro was fine, but he's probably too chalky. We could have found, we could have went to T Higgins in that spot who scored more points. Obviously, Justin Jefferson at the higher end. But a lot of the higher end guys did a lot of really good work this week when it came down to scoring a lot of points. And, like, we had Gronk in that lineup. If you could get up to Kittle, you know, you could punt away. Listen, not everyone's going to have, you know, fire emojis next to every single player. Josh Reynolds, you know, 11 points for 3400 bucks. You could have got away. Like, that was fine. You could have got away with it if it had the salary relief you needed to get up to the other positions. Uh, The big mistake here was Joe Mixon. Like he was just such an anchor into this lineup where there were just so many better options around him. I blame the Ander curse for the entire thing. Um, and just, there was a lot of weirdness in that game. Like, I really like Jamar Chase as a leverage play this week at receiver against Justin Jefferson. Now, Justin Jefferson almost scored 40 points. It was stupid that I didn't play Justin Jefferson. But Chase drops what probably would have been a 90-yard touchdown. Not only does he drop it, he pops it into the hands of the Chargers who return it back the other way and set up an easy score for Los Angeles. And then, you know, Chase didn't do much. He had some bad drops in that game as well. So you have to get lucky with this stuff. Although going forward... 
you got to think the teams take out Justin Jefferson. I don't know if that's possible in these circumstances, but maybe coming off a huge week, it's sort of like the golfer who wins the week before that no one wants to go back to them the next week uh, and where he's not on the main slate this week. I'm curious to see where that opens up Thursday night. Justin Jefferson is going to be a ton. KJ Osborne's probably the move on Thursday night uh, with Adam Thielen being out on the short turnaround against Pittsburgh. You can throw deep on. They even tried to get Jefferson to throw to KJ Osborne against the Lions. That's how desperate they were to beat the Lions and couldn't even do it. So looking back, uh, it wasn't a bad lineup. Obviously, it didn't cash. I think it would have cashed in cash games, but in GPPs, it did not quite hit the cash line. Frankly, if you play like the play the best plays lineup in like 50-50s or cash games the entire season, it's actually doing really well because they're the obvious chalk plays and like a lot of people have the same plays where Joe Mixon in a cash game is far less detrimental than he would be in a GPP because he's so much higher owned in a cash game where people are looking to pivot off of him in those circumstances. All right, let's close this with a question from the viewers out there the ama once again the pat mayo experience at gmail.com to hit me up some questions industry questions life questions whatever questions you want just not start sick questions just save those for the twitter machine and this one comes from matt says where do you see the pat mayo experience in a couple years one thing i enjoy so much about your show is the transparency and the peek behind the curtain that few shows give would be very interested to hear your thoughts of where you want to take the show and where you see the future of the show I honestly don't know. Uh, I mean, I've been doing the same sorts of shows now for like four or five straight years, and I wonder if it gets stale, in complete honesty, to the audience. I mean, I, I look at the numbers of the show. I would really like to figure out this show in football season for the future. The Monday show, whether it be Sunday night, Monday, I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that moving forward because I, I feel like this show could be a lot better. And it's tough because, you know, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of work. I'm not doing the, the live show on Sundays anymore, but I am working from like 6 a.m. all the way all, up to kickoff, watching all the games, releasing the newsletter at night, prepping for the waiver wire. It's a really long day, and I just don't feel like I... I have my best effort. I try to like me and I started recording week ones to week, like week one to week four in the evening, uh, right when the Sunday night football game starts, but I am fucking wiped by the time Sunday night football comes along. Like it's not watching football is one thing when you're watching like seven screens at once, you're trying to process all the information. Obviously the news isn't great. Uh, you know, Sunday evening versus doing this on Monday afternoon. Uh, the downloads are a lot better when I do it on Sunday night. The views are a lot higher when I do it Sunday night. And I know what I'm looking for on Sunday night. Like even if it's during the game, whether I'm going to sleep, whether I wake up early on Monday morning, the whole impetus behind it was like with a lot of my shows, I want to be out earlier than everyone else. But I just felt like the show wasn't all that good. I mean, I love, I love talking to Meanie. And I feel like just our back and forth is really good, but I'd like to figure out a way to structure. And I think that's the one thing that I'm going to work on a little bit more. I was actually, you know, if people are still listening to this, I've been talking with Osimo and Big T about potentially collaborating with them as they go head to head on a show with me as a host. I think that would be really cool. I've been very happy with the Friday show with me and Rob and Cam. I think that show has been excellent. I think that People have, like, it's funny that that show has vaulted up to number two in football season behind the Wednesday spread pick show in terms of downloads. Like, I think people look at the video views, like, I mean, I don't know if I've said this before, if people know, like, the audio audience for the Pat Mayo experience is, like, 
five to 10 times larger than the video audience, which is really hilarious to think about. But I mean, I listen, I watch very few stuff, on, very few things on YouTube. I listen to most of the things through Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So I think that makes a lot of intuitive sense to me. That's why you hear so many ads in the show to help support the show. Some people complain about too many ads, like just hit the fucking skip 60 button. It's not that big of a deal. And that actually does sustain the Pat Mayo experience and all of Mayo Media Network is being able to sell those mid-roll ads. Like that's a huge part of this show and any podcast is being able to sell those. Like if it really does trigger you, stop fucking listening. Like if you can't press the skip 60 button three times in a row, like I, I don't know what to tell you. You're a moron, maybe. I don't know, but that's, we can't do the show for free. Like this is our full-time job. We need to make money somehow. And that's one of the ways to do it. It's just like, you know, when I pump up prize picks or when I pump up DraftKings or run the Sims.com or fantasy national, like these are all ways to help sustain having the show come out as frequently as possible and have it, you know, be to its best quality that we can pay people. I can pay myself. I can, you know, pay for the equipment, roof over my head, pay employees to do more shows for Mayo Media Network moving forward. So with the Pat Mayo experience, I don't know if I'm going to keep it the same as it is. I might dial back the production quality of the Pat Mayo experience, fewer graphics, just make it more like it's straight to audio, but we'll film it at the same time. And I might try to re work my efforts into doing not necessarily studio shows because I'm opening up my new studio in the new year. It's almost done. And the production quality based out of that studio is going to be so much higher than what you're seeing, in, which is literally a room in my basement right now. I think it's very comfortable down here, but I can't have people in studio. Uh, and I don't like working at home. I find it really weird. I don't mind writing at home, but I think that there is something to going to a studio, leaving the house. Like it really gets you amped up for the day. I just find myself very lethargic at home. It's like, ah, I can, you know, I can go film that in an hour unless I have like a very scheduled time. Uh, I'm going to keep the studio obviously in case I need to film stuff from home. So I think the Pat Mayo experience works best when it's a talky format, when it's a back and forth, when it's less serious, whether when it's jokey, still presenting good information. That's also another problem of trying to be first out. Like we do it with the spread show. We do it with the ranking show. Like I think that where our shows are more entertainment and they're lighter and they're jokier that I, I still always want to present good information in those shows. And a lot of shows, you know, they'll release their ranking show on Thursday morning. Not to say that those people don't do their own research. It's just the stats. Everything is just so much more widely available by, by that point. It doesn't take as much time to research. And I do put in a substantial amount of research, shockingly enough, to make sure that I'm prepped for these shows. And I always, well, I do have a screen in front of me with like jot notes on it and player notes. Like I try to commit most of this to memory as I go through so I don't have to break with the camera. So I'm thinking about keeping the Pat Mayo experience more casual, you know, me and Jeff, me and Cus, me and Cam, me and Rob, but also starting to produce higher end, more produced type shows uh, that are probably shorter. Uh, I can probably sell them off. I'm really trying to get break back into the TV market. We're currently on TV in Canada for the Pat Mayo experience. Maybe that's what people want to see. Like we fill up like there's one of two ways this can go. I can keep the shows how they are, maybe do four a week instead of six a week. So it's not as big of a grind and it keeps it keeps everyone up and then they don't have to listen to the shows like this one. Like I can see that this show is by far the least popular of all the shows that I do. That is not lost on me. However, when I, and people still want the waiver wire stuff and I want to do the waiver wire stuff, but when it gets to week 14 in the season, like there's so few people who still give a shit about season long fantasy football. And I see it in the numbers of the ranking show. Uh, you know, it's the biggest, my rank, the ranking show I do with Jake is the biggest show that I do in week one and week two and week three 
up until week five and people are like, oh shit, I'm 0-5, I don't care about this anymore. The Spread Pick Show, it goes up in listeners throughout the course of the year. The Best Bet Show has been building an audience. So I'd like to have that sort of vibe because I think that's what people come to me for when they listen to the Pat Mayo experience. If I do other shows, they can be a bit more focused, segmented, regimented. Um, maybe include like listener questions and you know interactivity, that kind of thing. Uh, but that's going to take a lot more production. So if I have to allocate more time in preparation and production for those sorts of shows, I probably have to scale back on the production aspect, at least, of the Pat Mayo experience. And where more people listen to the audio version anyway, I think it works really well as an audio podcast. There's always the thing is we could double down on the Pat Mayo experience, too, and make it two hours per day, every day. And, you know, bring Jeff in twice a week, bring Tim in twice a week, bring Cam in twice a week, and go out and try to find two or three more regulars to have as a part of a rotation. The issue is, is I've had a lot of success with single focus type shows. So this one is, you know, waiver wire injuries. And I added this onto the back end of it, but like, you know, the golf show, we just talk about golf, the spread picks NFL show. Yes, we do a cuss corner, but we talk about the NFL DraftKings football. We talk about DraftKings football, DraftKings PGA. We talk about DraftKings PGA on a two hour show. That would be more like a radio show. You'd probably like, I'd probably have to talk about baseball and bring in like a baseball guy. What are the plays of the day? I don't know if I want to do that. I don't think that's necessarily for me. I would want, I mean, I want to hear from you guys on this one of where you would like to see the Pat Mayo experience go. Um, you know, most of the time people have just literally the shittiest suggestions in the world, but every now and again, there are some good ones in there. And just, if people are still listening to this part of the show, real fans, uh, presumably, uh, are hearing me talk about it. So I don't know. Like people always think that there's this big grand vision and this big plan. Like there is a plan, but it's more, Mayo Media Network business related, like creating these new shows, bringing in new sponsors, uh, giving a platform to more people. Like I talked to someone today about the next baseball season, then you know, they made a really good pitch to me about why they should be doing videos. They're really good on camera. They have really cool tools that I think are going to be really beneficial. I want the other shows on the network to have sort of a similar vibe to mine. I want them to be more profitable for the people with good advice, but I don't want them to be a slog at the same time either. And uh, we've thrown a lot of shit against the wall over the past year, and that was part of the process to see what works, to see what doesn't work. And it really turns out that the shows that do the best are the shows that are not necessarily the most like mine, but on the same vibration of mine. Ones that are like the Dogger Pass podcast, Cody and Paul's UFC show, does really well. Why? Because, I mean, I went to college with Cody and Paul. They are friends, and that really translates through the camera. Like, you know, Jeff and I are friends. Tim and I are friends. Meanie and I are friends. Cam and I are friends. I've known Pizzola long enough that we can talk. I mean, we don't, like, hang out a ton or anything like that, but, you know, we're friends. And I think that really translates through. And I don't know if that's necessarily what people like about my show in particular, or that's just what they like about podcasts. I happen to think that's more of a macro view of that's what people like about podcasts. You can get enough, you can get enough quick shows of people reading off spreadsheets. And I mean, half these podcasts could just be articles to tell you the truth. And I, I think when you have people tuning into a podcast, the reason that they're there is for the entertainment to help kill time. And maybe I'm way off on that. I don't know. I've been doing this for fuck, this is the 11th year of the Pat Mayo experience, formally. I mean, it was the Pat Mayo experience, and it was the Pat Mayo hour, and then it was the Pat Mayo experience again. And I don't know, I, I want bigger and better things. I want to grow the audience. So maybe I need to be a guest on more people's podcasts going forward to see if I can break into that larger scale. I've been having meetings about that recently too, but there's so much more to producing this podcast because it's a full-time job than 
really tracking out where it goes forward because you're you, know, you have to talk to the sponsors you have to make sure that you have enough sponsorship to make this viable going forward so you're not you know, dumping in your personal savings and everything so that's why when you, you know, hear a product that you like on the ad reads please go buy it uh, if it's something that interests you and you have the means to go do it subscribe to runthesims.com slash mayo uh, uh, prize picks you know if you're going to be like betting online anyway go to prize picks use code mmn that helps us out so well and then we can sell off that as at the same time to new people that come in and then you know we can make one thing that we never want to do here is charge people for the video or audio content I've been very steadfast about that because I think it's hard to really grow your brand when you put stuff behind a paywall, but we'll have free shows that push to paywall products like Run the Sims, like Fantasy National. I think that's the best way to go about it as a business plan, but I don't know. Anyway, I know that was just a whole lot of like verbal diarrhea going on about nothing, but I give thought about the future of how it goes, but then, I mean, I'm going to end up doing, I think... 347 shows this year when you're doing six shows a week or seven shows a week or five and a half shows a week it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to plan like you get into a routine like this is football season this is golf season this is what i do in the interim to do filler shows and maybe like i can see the download numbers when i'm not talking about golf and when i'm not talking about football i mean the davis shows actually do okay maybe that's something i can do in golf season you know do golf 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 football specialty show about something like cuss corner does really well but i think it would be less effective if we did a full cuss corner every single week but maybe there's a supplement type show like a specialty show like a rotational thursday or friday show in non-football season that we can start to include that like you know once every three weeks it's cuss corner once a month it's cuss corner you know after the week of that it's some other sort of variety show that we do that's just you know sort of a good hang and a good listen to but we need people to support that at the same time like when you see shows that you know you don't even necessarily want to listen to download them anyway you don't need to listen to them i would prefer that you do but give them a chance that kind of thing that's how you sustain the ecosystem of the podcast world it's you know you're offering a free product. You need to make your money elsewhere. But when you're competing against, you know, literally millions of other people who are also offering free products, you need to keep that standard high. And we want to be held accountable to that at Mayo Media Network that we're providing the best product for the means that we can do. Like, we're not going to be ESPN. We can't pay people 100 a year to do a podcast for 20 minutes a day. That's just unsustainable. Uh, we will be out of business within two weeks. So we need to find a way to make it good for the hosts that they can leverage this platform into something that can make them a ton of money while we pay them at the same time. Uh, and we need the support of the people like you out there to do that. So again, that was me rambling on. Thanks. Thank you all for staying along this long. Uh, thanks for supporting Mayo Media Network. Subscribe if you haven't, by the way. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Smash the like. Join the Listener's League and everything like that. I hope everyone has a good week. I know the holidays are coming. Those can be tough on people. So if you ever need to email in, you can use that advice email as well. Uh, you know, We can have a back and forth about anything if you need anyone to talk to. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.